0: Hello, and welcome to Letters from the Lunchroom, a podcast by Communities and Schools of Mid America. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge. Communities and Schools is a nationwide nonprofit which connects students and their families to local resources in order to remove barriers so that they will have greater success in school and in life. During this podcast, we talk to people who have a relationship with our organization. From students to staff members and alumni to volunteers, we know that people who connect with nonprofits have a story that led them there, and we want to know that story. In this episode, we sit down with Teresa Plata, Student Support Coordinator at East Elementary School in Anadarko, Oklahoma. Please join us as she shares her CIS story. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the lunchroom. How are you today?
1: I'm fine. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really, really good. I'm excited to uh, have you on the podcast and hear all about your CIS story. So uh, let's just take a moment and just if you would quickly introduce yourself.
1: Yes, my name is Teresa Plata. I work at East Elementary um, as a student support coordinator here in Anadarko, Oklahoma.
0: And how long have you worked there? This is my second school year. Excellent, excellent. Um, and so we're going to dive just straight into things. And uh, let's go back to um, when your, your uh, relationship with Communities and Schools of Min america when it very first began, because you mentioned you're from Anadarko and our program is in all of the schools there in Anadarko, which is really cool. And so I'm curious, when was the first time that you heard about Communities and Schools of Minamerica? america
1: um, I actually heard about it about four years ago. Um, it was when y'all when they first came to um, Anadarko, and uh, Donna Bessel was as the um, program director here, um, and she had told me about it. I was working at an attorney's office that I worked with deprived um, childrens and their cases. And um, she was telling me about it, and I was thinking, what an excellent program um, that's definitely needed here and in our community. And so I, I watched them develop it. Um, and then it was, um, like I said, a couple of years ago that um, I, there was an opening and I was like, I, this is for me. This is what I want to do. Because um, after working for the attorney and working with deprived children, I went into working with um, DHS um, in child welfare. And I firsthand knowledge and see what was what was needed out there and so to me having CIS in our schools here is like a step to try to prevent um, these kids winding up into the system you know so uh, anything that we could possibly do to help them and their families I was totally on board with so I was happy that that I was able to give them the give them this opportunity.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And you use an acronym there that I just wanted to uh, make sure that everybody knew of. You said DHS?
1: Yes. That's Department of Human Services um, here in Oklahoma.
0: Okay. Excellent. Um, so you have a bit of a history working in uh, human and social services. Um, was there a specific time in your life that you can point to that made you decide to go into that field?
1: Absolutely. It was, um, I, in 2007 I moved uh, back to Oklahoma with the sole purpose of fostering and adopting a child. Um my sister uh, Christine Armstrong who's actually our program manager um, here in Anadarko, she was working um, with the Department of Human Services and Child Welfare and telling me about the needs of these these children. Um, So I moved back from, I lived in Canada, moved here, um, again, with the sole purpose of becoming a foster parent and adoptive parent, and um, moved here in May 2007, um, received my first child. December 2007, um, to take care of. And I eventually ended up adopting him a couple of years later. Um, and I had several foster children in and out of my home. So that, that's, that was my passion
0: and that was my drive. Okay. You just said so many things that I was like, wait, what, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Christine is your sister? Yes.
1: Christine Armstrong is my sister.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, she's my baby sister. <laughs> she's my boss. <laughs> but yeah, she's, she's
0: fantastic, 100%. Oh my fantastic. goodness. Okay, wow, cool. Um, okay, so there was that. And then you still live in Canada?
1: Yes, yes. I was there for nine
0: years. Wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I had no idea that you personally were involved with the uh, foster system. Yes, yes. Um,
1: my, oh. I, I knew at the age of 16 that I was going to adopt a child and it was just something that was instilled in my heart. I always wanted one that kind of looked like me with some dimples, a little boy. And mm-hmm. um, when Christine, my sister, she told me, she was like, we got this kid that needs a home. Would you be interested in doing this? She showed me a picture and I instantly fell in love with him. And I'm oh. proud to say that he's my 16 year old son right now. And um, just, I'm head over heels in love with him.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so cool! Oh wow, Um, and he has dimples,
1: and he kind of looks like me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, that's so cool! Wow, he's sixteen. I have a sixteen-year-old as well. Awesome! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool age because they're like starting their their beginning of being uh, young adults. Like, so they're just at that very entry level young adultness, and they're starting to become a little bit more independent. It's really cool.
1: Yes, yes. He's going to go for his driving test on Friday, so he's all happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, good luck. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so uh, so bringing it back to, uh, to more present day, um, uh, so you've been working with communities and schools for two years. Um, you're about midway through your second year, correct? Right. Yep. Yeah. So um, what would you say is the difference between your first year and your second year of working with us?
1: just knowing what I'm doing. No, I'm just kidding. kidding. Um, um, it was last year was a challenge because, you know, there was a new system, um, that was placed and, you know, with us. And so, um, coming in brand new, I wasn't really sure what my steps were going to be. Like I was trying to build some relationship with the staff here, the families, the kids, and it just felt kind of overwhelming at first But like, um, but it was about this time last year that I hit my stride and I was just like, and like the light bulb went off. I, I know what I'm doing here. <laughs> this is great. I'm making a difference. I'm getting, I already started to get to know, know my, my kids and my family so well and um, building those relationships. And so it just made it a lot easier. But um, at first it was just like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. But um, but like I said, once that that first semester went through, I hit my stride and it was just smooth sailing from that point forward.
0: So I know that you had quite a bit of knowledge about the program before you got into it, which is unique because some people, um, their first time learning about communities and schools of mid-America is when they are job searching and they find it. Mm -hmm. Um, But with your sister's involvement, et cetera, you already had some idea. So whenever you actually got into the job and you started doing it, was it what you expected?
1: It was and it wasn't. I, I, it was to the degree that I knew that I was going to be helping children. I was going to be help guiding them and their families and so giving them additional supports that they need. I didn't realize the connections and the, um, the emotional attachments that was that would be created in this job. You know, I, I, I don't know if I just thought that I was going to be able to put a wall up and I would be like fine, but um, mm-hmm. these kids become like another one of my foster children or another one of my children and um, their families become like extended families to us. Um, We are a tribal, we we do a lot of tribal stuff because that's what we have in this community. It's 70% native American and me being native and my, all of my kids are native. um, That relationship is like sacred. It's like, I'm not just like a teacher to them um or a mentor to them or something to that nature. I become like a grandma or an auntie or mm-hmm. something like that to it's and it's that is very personal in our culture. And so um now I just feel like I I'm in a bigger village with um all of my my children and all of their families. And it's really I didn't realize the blessing in the um the amount of emotional attachment that that was gonna um be part of this job.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, So as you continue to think about uh, the way that this job has had an impact on you and the way that you have interacted with your students and families over the last year and a half to two years, um, what would you say are some of either your favorite or the most impactful memories you have?
1: Wow. (laughs) That, that's, that's full because I can just go on for hours probably on that one. Um, one of them I would say was, um, is my, my, one of my students, um, he actually went on to fourth grade. So he's not my student currently, but he was last year. Um, his grandmother passed away and, um, he didn't have any shoes, um, to wear to the funeral and he was telling me about it. And so, you know, we got him some shoes. To where to the funeral, and then um, as the the weeks and days and stuff went on, um, you can just tell that he was deflated and that he was missing his grandmother, and it was right before Native American History Month is when she um, she died, and I brought in a um, a drumming and dance troupe um, to the uh, to our facility to for the children to experience the, that culture, and um, before we went into it. He was just really sad. He was saying that he missed his grandmother very much, and I was just like, "Well, you know, she's with you. What? Tell me some of the things that she's taught you." And he told me that she she taught him how to dance and sing in our native way, and I was just like, "It's perfect, yeah, you know." And so um, I was just like, "Okay, I want when you're missing her, I want you to, I want you to dance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I right. want you to sing." what she taught you. And he was like, okay. And so we we went into the, the um, lunchroom where I had my drummers and stuff and um, they started playing. And I look out the corner of my eye and I see dancing. Aww. And it just brought me to tears. And I went over with him and supported him. And um, he just had the biggest smile on his face because he was with his ancestor at that, that moment. So I think that was probably one of the most impactful parts of it knowing that, you know, I could see him remember who he is and what he was taught by his elder. So um, that was was really powerful to me.
0: Oh, my gosh, Teresa, (laughs) that made me cry. (laughs) Wow. I get to hear so many cool ways that student support coordinators help students, but I've never heard of a way, like something that was just so unique and personal in regards Mm -hmm. to helping a student um, You know, celebrate, mourn, feel reconnected to a family member who had passed. And, right.
1: And it's, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that what our kids really have to deal with. Like, I have another student who um, witnessed his father being murdered by his brother. Oh and he was angry and he was always fighting and he was always having some kind of problem, like, you know, in school. Well, of course, I think if. You know, I was witnessing something to that caliber that I probably be a very angry person too. Mm -hmm. And, um, but to watch him, um, we, to grow into himself and help him through that, help his mom and his, um, his, his family, his, the rest of his family, um, go through all of that and. To then see him at the latter part of last year, become a motivational speaker for our students here at school. He grabbed that microphone and started talking about to to his entire school about how that he you can achieve um, and you can overcome things at the age of eight. He's oh, doing this. Oh my gosh. You know, so wow. I, I just don't think people understand that how resilient um, our children are and um, how they can move mountains when they're given the opportunity and support.
0: Oh my gosh. I applaud you because that 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 is the key part is that when they are given the opportunity and the support, because otherwise, you know, being such a young person and dealing with such a significant event mm-hmm. in your life without having having the support in your life, those emotions and those big feelings could definitely have been channeled into something very negative, very and very damaging to themselves and those around them. and so to know that that student received the support from you and from others that you know you guys brought together to to you know surround this kiddo with all the support that he needed at that time, and then he took it and channeled it into such an amazing positive way. oh, yes. But eight years old, that's so impressive. eight years
1: old. he was he's amazing. He's an amazing young man.
0: Oh my goodness. Way to go, kiddo. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's fantastic. I'm celebrating him. That's amazing. Okay. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, and then we will come back and we will have a second serving of Letters from the Lunchroom. So stay tuned. Letters from the Lunchroom is a production of Empower Podcasting Company. Empower Podcasting offers accessible podcasting production services for nonprofit organizations and purpose-driven individuals and businesses. Starting a podcast doesn't need to be an uphill battle. Let Empower Podcasting help you make your podcast a reality. Learn more at www.empowerpodcasting.com. Welcome back. As part of our show, we ask each guest to write a letter to the students that communities and schools serves. The only guideline they are given is that it must come from the heart. So, Teresa, please go ahead and share your letter. I want to first tell you what I see in you.
1: I see someone with strength and courage of your ancestors. You are and always will be a reflection of their warrior spirit. Warriors are the protectors and caregivers of our tribe. They are always striving to make sure that everyone in the village is provided for. You have that quality, compassion, and inner strength. Second, I want you to believe in yourself and see yourself as I and others do. Right now at your age, you are growing in body, mind, and spirit. You are stronger than you know. You are smarter than you realize. You have no limit in what you can achieve. As I've told you before, you are in control of your life. There will be times when things will seem out of control. But know that you will come out of that difficult time stronger and wiser. You will use everything that you've learned from good and bad experiences to grow into your warrior spirit. You will use those experiences to help others grow. As one of my elders said, change happens one warrior at a time. You and your spirit will help cover our community with protection, strength, and health. You are the warrior of change. Lastly, I want you to know that I'm extremely proud of you. It's not always easy walking the warrior journey, but you are. Thank you for allowing me to work with you and help, you, and help guide you through this, this journey. You are an amazing blessing. To watch you grow into yourself is an honor and a privilege. You are the shining light of our people. With all my love,
0: Ms. Plata. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so whenever you uh, were were given this task of writing this letter to our students, um, okay, first of all, actually, before I even get to that, that letter was wonderful. Just let me say <laughs> that on the record, that was wonderful. Well done. Um, so, whenever you you sat down to create this letter, did you find it difficult? to determine like what you wanted to say or did everything just kind of come out very (laughs) smoothly and naturally or tell me about your letter writing process
1: okay um when I was given this task I was just like oh my gosh what am I gonna say yeah (laughs) but then I thought about what would I tell my my students if I was gonna actually sit down and write a letter to them what would I say to them if they were sitting here in front of me what would I say you know um and so it was very easy Um, when I put it in that perspective, um, I have, I I can see their little faces looking at me, (laughs) you know, so, and then I decided that I was going to use this letter as my Christmas card to them. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I did, I wrote the letter. Um, I ran through it a couple of different times, making sure that my, my punctuation was correct (laughs) Uh and, um, put it on Christmas paper, um, gave it to each one of my students, um, and, we read it together. Um, so when they read it, th- some of them gave me, you know, hugs and they had tears. And um, others told me that they were going to put it on the wall at their home. Um, I had families call me thanking me for it. But um, it was, a, I think that every support coordinator should do this. It makes you remember the, why you're doing this, the mm-hmm. reason you know, mm-hmm. and so I, th- I think it was fantastic. But yeah, it was uh, once I had it in the right mindset, instead of like, oh, I have to do something else. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Sorry um, <about> that. <laughs> And I had like I had pictured my kiddos um,
0: in my head; it came naturally. Oh, excellent, excellent. So, what were you trying to achieve with the letter? Um,
1: with all of every time I have any interaction with my children, including this letter, is that. I want them to find who they are, because without knowing who you are, it's very hard to get through this thing called life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so my whole practice with them is to remind them of who they are, where they come from, so they can have pride in that. Again, I'm, I'm trying to build on, um, on who, who and what they believe they are. If, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many times when people are told that, oh, you're nothing, you're not going to amount to anything um, or anything. And you start to believe that. Well, every time they hear hear something negative, it takes three positive things for someone else to say to them to erase Mm -hmm. that that first negative thing. And so I was like, to build them up. If someone had told me when I was a kid at that age, (laughs) you know, who I am, where I am come from, you know, be proud. I'd be a lot farther along in my life. (laughs) (laughs) you know, it took me a while to get there and I don't want them to take a while. I want them to know now, you know, who they are. And so that, that's my, that was my whole process.
0: So I know that, um, you know, any student anywhere, especially these young people, um, the young people that we work with that are in the elementary schools and even the middle schools, um, and of course, also, also the high school. But whenever you're you're super young, the impacts of words, because you're still growing and you're still learning and you're still getting experiences, um, they really have such a greater uh, effect on your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think that you know what you're saying with these students knowing who they are and taking pride in who they are is is really important. Um, but I also suspect that there's a an additional level there with the fact that your students are primarily, if not entirely, part of a native culture.
1: Correct. You know, and there is a lot of historical trauma um, mm-hmm. with Native American and um, uh, within our culture, with our history. It, it's you're looking at you know centuries of mm-hmm. of trauma, and I'm trying to um, instill that. That confidence and our re, you know building that um pride is not only with our students but with their families, mm-hmm. you know um because again, it's historical trauma it's been passed around from generation to generation, and so when their children um have a renewed spirit that also benefits the families um you'll start having families attend more there our ceremonies and our powwows and um and just take back that pride that, um, was lost throughout the generations. And so, um, it, it is, it's a profound impact. All of my students, all six, I have 60 students. Um, all 60 students are native American, every single mm-hmm. one of them. And, um, they all come from different tribes. And, um, so it's, you know, trying to teach them, you know, who they are, that we're not just, you know, a single individual, but we are a group, we are a community, we're a strong community, we're a powerful community, we're resilient, um, and having them take that home with their families, um, doing activities and family engagements and all of that to build that that up, we need that in our community, we need it everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Um. Are there things that people who are listening to this podcast, who are not part of um, a native community, that they can do to maybe educate themselves, to gain knowledge, to become more aware of, um, you know, just what is what is currently happening with, um, you know, native population, and and how that they can better themselves to to help. You know, be good people. (laughs) Does that make sense? Actually,
1: actually, that's where your communication group comes in because um, we had Native American History and Heritage Month um, in November. Mm -hmm. And one of the spotlight students was one of my students. Her name Mm -hmm. is Hensley. And, we, you know, as an organization, communities and schools did a completely fabulous job of spotlighting her and then putting out information about Native Americans and our culture and our community and the resources that are out there. Um, so um, um, I shared it all over social media, you know, so, um, but doing that, that spotlight and, and everything that they did during that time. I would highly recommend people go back there and look at those and get those links and review them and share them because um, it was really um, refreshing to see that kind of support and um, resources that were out
0: there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really interesting that you brought up that particular social media post because just yesterday, our director of comms had asked me for some data facts uh, to do a look back on the year of 2022. And as I was pulling up data facts from our social media platforms, I saw that the top performing post across the board was that post Featuring that student. And so uh, that post reached 1,590% more people than our average posts on Facebook. So it reached um, almost 6,000 people. It received uh, 3,720% more reactions than our average posts. And it received 42 comments. So your sharing and then the ripple effect of those shares had a massive impact. And what I get from that is not only is there the support for that kind of information and that kind of support uh, like that we're providing for those students that there's that so there's, you know, people want to uh, share that and they're proud to share that, but also people are hungry for that information. Like they're eager to Absolutely. learn more. Absolutely.
1: And Ms. Hensley, I love her smile um, mm-hmm. on the picture there. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a quiet reserved student, but she like I said in the, the the post, she's a powerhouse. She has yeah. so much power and potential. Um, and she's just tapping into it. We're going to see her do great things.
0: Oh, that's exciting. And thankfully, since we are, we do have student support coordinators in all of those schools. Hopefully, we can just continue to just follow her story as she, you know, goes through the grades and graduates. Absolutely. All right. So uh, thank you so much for sharing all of that information, Teresa. We're going to take another just quick break and then we will be back for some extra credit. And we're back. Okay, Teresa, are you ready for some extra credit questions? Yes. Okay. So your first one is, please share with us, what is one of your favorite all-time songs? Don't worry, be happy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That seems so on par for you. Like I totally, I see that.
1: I listened to it on the way to work today.
0: Do <laughs> you want to sing us a couple of lines? No, that's okay. Not <laughs> on that one. <laughs> okay. So your next question is, if you could pick one superpower to have, what would you choose and why?
1: Um, Invisibility.
0: Okay. Um, and
1: <laughs> the reason why is, um, so, you know, sometimes people will put on that mask. So so you don't really see what is, um, when they see you, they'll put on a mask and might be some trying to hide things or um, so you don't see the authentic self. So, like, if I want to see them authentically, you know, that might be just like blending in so they don't see me. And so like, the visibility probably would be my which I would want to do so I can really see what's going on.
0: Yeah, I got it. And that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So your final extra credit question is what is the number one reason why you feel that people should get involved with communities and schools?
1: Ooh, that's a lot. It's <laughs> a loaded no. question. Okay. so you um, The reason um, I, why I believe that people should be involved in communities and school is because, um, you know, it go, all goes back to our children um, mm-hmm. and to our future, um, and they are our future. Um, so when we have, when we're looking at our society and like thinking what's going on, it's because we need to invest in, the, in what we have and our biggest resource and our strongest um, indicator of what our future is going to be is our children, and and and, I, and I'm I'm saying children from infant to you know. Until they are graduated university, mm-hmm. I don't believe in just like eighteen, you know, but um, I believe that as long as we make those investments into our kids, it helps build our community. Um, our community gets stronger, our people get stronger. it's um, it's a mind, body and spirit thing. Um, when you're pouring yourself into something, Like another person, either by donating or helping or tutoring, mentoring, just being a support so that others, that these, these kids can see that there's someone there for them, only adds strength to them and to everybody around them, including our communities and our state, our country. So it just grows. Um, so if they, they become a a part of it and either volunteering or working with us or however they do it, I I believe that it's just adding more and more positive vibes into our students and how they grow and it will change. Like I'm like in my letter, it's a, they are the warrior of change and they need that help and they support and that's how, but we get it from our communities.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, to share your CIS story, and everything else that you do to support the students and their families in your community. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I want to thank everybody else for joining us on this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. For more information on communities and schools of America, please check out our website at cismidamerica.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a rating, and follow us on social media at CIS MedAmerica. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge, and until next time, class is dismissed.